You're listening to Inception Radio Network. Inception Radio Network, voice of the French majority. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot. Oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host all the way from sunny Tucson, Patricia Kirkman, PK. How are you tonight? Absolutely fabulous. The weather is still warm outside. Houses are cool because of our, of our tile floors, but outside of that, it's delightful. I sat at the back patio, pretended it was summer. Well, lucky you. We are freezing up here in New England. Well, I had to rub that in because you've get, gotten me a couple times over the summer. So You're a bad woman. <laughs> I worked hard at it, too. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's start off. But first of all, I just mm-hmm. want to say we have a new sponsor, and I want to introduce yes. everybody to our new sponsor, Astridian. Is the name of this company... I don't know if you can see it, but they make... Turn it down a bit so we can see the the label because it's beautifully done. Incredible, incredible skincare cream. Mm -hmm. And it's on our website. It's on our Facebook page. This stuff will transform your skin. I, I promise you. I've been using it for the last couple of months, and it is remarkable. So... I can't tell you all the great things it does because I can't make claims about it and get them in trouble, but it does more than just a, what a skin cream would do. So I highly recommend you check them out. And, again, support our sponsors that keep us on the air. So Yes, yes, yes. yes. We do want you to visit them. So right. let's go to the numbers. What's going on? So well, funny that you should ask that. <laughs> <laughs> What is it going on? Let's put it yeah, that way. Better question, probably. Well, we have to remember that October until the end of December, we're in a bridge period that deals with communications of all forms, which also includes gossip, etc. Okay. Well, look what's been popping in, in the news these last couple of months between he said, she said, look who tried to touch me. You know, these nice guys that are in the... Uh, the powers that be that don't know whether to put their hands in their pockets or in your pants. It's just been absolutely ridiculous. And we haven't been paying attention, but this four month that we're in right now, everybody's paying attention to the details and people are finally getting disgusted and mad. Sick and tired to being sick and tired. I didn't think it was ever going to happen the way it was going because when Bill Cosby went through this, nobody, we were shocked by it, but it couldn't be anything like that, because he was Dr. Huxtable. This was the nice guy. And that's the problem. We're looking at some of the roles that these people have played, not the role that they're living. Exactly. And that has made a big difference. Who they are is real real people Mm -hmm. is 
been uh, kind of hidden. So now this is out in the open, and I have to say, you predicted this. Mm-hmm. You said this was going to happen, that more and more of this was going to come out. This was just the beginning. You said that a couple of months ago, right. and you've been absolutely right. Well, there's something more coming come January. Oh, I'm not okay. quite sure. I can't put my finger on what it is at this moment, but there's going to be more communication coming out. And uh, it, it falls into the gossip line. Let's face it, we can't help it. We all are interested in, in what's going on behind closed doors. But there is so much that's happening that, that we're going into a two-year universally, which is all about patience, partnerships, relationships, and it's about wanting peace and cooperation. Well, how are we going to get all that when we've got all this garbage laying at the front door? I feel our world is starting to feel like a ghetto and everybody's walking by with a trash can, throwing more at it. Yes, exactly. Well, it's time to take out the trash, don't you think? That's exactly what's going to start taking place. So people are going to start putting their foot down. In January, they're going to talk about it, come to some ideas or thoughts of what to do. And come February, I'm afraid that we're going to have some real staunch, hard-nosed people coming about. And, hey, let them crack the whip. Let them get things moving because we need it. We certainly do. And and you and I talked earlier today about we both feel something's going on with the UFO situation. Yes. And we were discussing the fact that now we're seeing all these kind of nicey-nice articles. One was on Fox News today about... Would you be okay if uh, NASA came out and said we found alien life? It's like, wouldn't that be nice? It just seems like, again, we're being set up. It's not about providing (laughs) us with real information. It's about setting us up to think a certain way. And this has been going on for some time, but that that article on Fox News really stood out to me today. I was like, boy, they're not even being subtle about it anymore. No, they're dangling the carrot. You know, and that's really what it is. They're they're wanting us to take a look at it, but we didn't say that. It's a possible baby. Hey, let's face it. We're, they're treating us like they're, we're the pinata, and they've all got the stick. Eventually, yeah. we're going to fracture. Things are going to fall apart, and then they're going to regroup and decide what we really need to do. As it stands right now, God help us. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's crazy. But as you said, you expect more to come out, and especially in February, you're seeing some big things moving. So this will be very, it's an interesting time to be alive. So, again, all we can do is keep raising our consciousness, becoming more and more aware, and uh, looking for ways to have positive partnerships. Well, look for January, the additional information that's going to come out, and look for February for those with the powers that be to start cracking the whip in some other capacities they've just started started touching touching things right now but they've no idea what they're really going to meet yet because it's just started oh boy so fasten your seatbelts everybody it's going to be a bumpy ride Mm -hmm. (laughs) and remember put the mask on yourself first because if you you got to save you first that's right that's right you first then you can help everybody else right Mm-hmm. So we do also, I want to point out, have some very interesting paranormal news. And it's all on our Facebook page at Supernatural Girls with a Z on Facebook. So be sure to visit it. We have all kinds of information about New York's mysterious Plum Island. Now, that's the place where some people say the Lyme disease plague started, weaponized Lyme. 
started on Plum Island. So anyways, there's an interesting article about that on our Facebook page. Also, more information from Nick Redfern on Men in Black. Don't miss that one. He was on our show a couple weeks ago. Did a great job. Mm-hmm. And we also have a story about these strange figures in Mazarito Bay, Argentina, who are communicating with something from the sea. So all of that's on our Facebook page. Go take a look. We've got pictures. We've got videos. We've got all kinds of exciting stuff and more coming up. So make sure you give us a like and a follow so that you can keep in touch with what we have and what we're doing and what we're sharing with you as news breaks on all of these things. The veil's very thin. People are reporting more and more occurrences of seeing things from other dimensions and other Mm -hmm. worlds. So you don't want to miss it. It's all exciting. Right? Yes. Definitely. (laughs) And do make note that we're still in a retrograde for another couple of weeks. Oh, that's right. So be careful of anything you sign. Reread it. Make sure everything's the way you want it to be. Miscommunication is rampant right now. And so don't buy a new car yet. Wait till after the 22nd. How about phones? Can people buy new phones? Don't buy anything new until after the retrograde. No electronics. Remember, anything to do with communications is going to be messed up. But anything new is going to fall apart, redone, or have to be revisited. Yes. Okay. So be careful about that, everybody. And it's over on the 22nd. Thank the good Lord and Mm -hmm. goddess, too. So (laughs) be very happy when the 22nd comes around. But we're happy tonight. And the reason we are so filled with joy is because we have a great guest with us. We have Zahara Hieronymus, and she, Hieronymus, excuse me, and she has written... A fascinating book that we just both read. There it is. White Spirit (laughs) Animals, Prophets of Change. Now, Zahara is a fascinating woman herself. Not only is the book fascinating, Zahara is fascinating. So we are very lucky and blessed to have her with us tonight. So let's get her on the show. Zahara, welcome to the show. Good evening. Thank you for having me join you. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. Oh, I love what you said, by the way, about in numerological terms and Mm -hmm. Jupiter and Scorpio, which just happened. That's going to be fantastic for revealing what's hidden. Oh, yes. Unconscious or subconscious. It's all going to come to the surface for everybody. It's going to be quite amazing to see what's taking place. I agree with you. Yeah. All we have to do is just keep our eyes open and listen and quit telling them they're wrong. Just listen and then decide down the road well and i think also the individual and particularly people in your audience who are interested in this kind of information and practice is that in their own lives they can become more intuitive now Mm -hmm. with jupiter and scorpio it just expands that whole capacity to go into the deep of the sort of intuition that's not always the easiest part of what you know, but it's the deeper part, and then it allows you to expand in a way otherwise you might not have. Right. Mm. Wonderful opportunities, then, coming our way. Yeah. That so now you, sure. you, Zahara, have a very special bond with animals, with the earth, and, and it led you to write this magnificent book. And these white spirit animals that you talk about in the book and also our connection versus disconnection from our environment, from the skies above, the stars, is is very profound. But what led you to do this book? 
Well, as I describe in White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change, I was six years old when I began this book. I'm now in my mid-60s. And people go, well, you started writing a book when you were six? Well, in a way. <laughs> Um, I had a, a prayer at that point. I, I grew up around animals. I was always made to go outside by my mother, thankfully. All of us were, whether it was raining or snowing, come 9 o'clock a.m., you're going outside. <laughs> and, and that's what we did. And so I had this just profound love of the woodlands and the woodland animals. And we always had dogs and cats. And I was always sort of picking up wounded animals and trying to heal them or bury them or, you know, a, a traditional story that you hear of children who often become veterinarians, which I thought I would become. And at the age of nine or so, I went to a vet's place and a cat had been hit by a car. And that was the end of my veterinarian crusade. <laughs> but what I did discover is the desire and really sort of this heartfelt prayer that I describe as becoming my childhood pole star was this desire to talk to the animals. And I thought, at that time, that I would learn how to interpret, like interpreting a foreign language, interpret a bird's call or interpret a raccoon's haunting cry or interpret a dog's bark. And it was only much later in my life, well, not that much later, but in my teens, that I began to appreciate that there's this thing we now call transspecies communication or animal communication or telepathy. And in that way, language is a unified language. There's no babble. It's um, basically through images and whole communique that happens. And the way I describe it to people, this love of animals that can grow into telepathy, which everybody in the listening audience who has a dog or a cat or a ferret or some animal they love, has experienced what that is, where you mm -hmm. intuitively know what it is your animal needs. But the work that I do and the work I encourage everybody to do is to expand on that experience um, and then find a way to come into communion with everything and anything, you know, whether it's a tree or a river or a rock or a dog or a car or a person, um, that all of these things are light capsules of energy. They're frequencies. So everything has its own signature, which means if everything is light, whether it's solid state or immaterial state, then the process of coming into rapport with something, whether it's human or animate or inanimate, must be very similar. And that's what I've discovered. So if you love animals and you love nature, as I have and have dedicated my whole life, I became an activist at the age of 14, handing out flyers for Ralph Nader here in Baltimore, Maryland. And that was the beginning of my actual activism. So I've always been an animal rights and ecosystem steward and champion of human rights and these kinds of things. And they all go together mm -hmm. because we're talking about everything having a voice. And my life has really been about standing up for the underdog, whether it's the human or the dog or nature, because <laughs> they don't seem to have the political voice that we need them to have. So instead, I decided to make it my life's work to be part of their voice. How beautiful. That's wonderful. Just wonderful. Yes. And we need more of this. We need, uh, all of us need more of this because, as you mentioned in the work that I mentioned, but discussed uh, quite thoroughly, we have lost our connection. And that yeah. has been devastating. Now, here's a, a quick question for you from the chat room from Supernova. How do we connect to these animals on a spiritual level? And this is typical of the questions we have from our audience. Um, they want to know, you know, how do they reconnect? How do they do this kind of work that came so naturally to you? 
And I would like to say it came naturally, but I've really worked at it in practice. People say, well, how do you do telepathy with animals? I do animal readings for free for people. I just ask that they donate to, you know, an animal shelter or something in their oh, area. That's nice. But, that's um, lovely. I, th- I think the important word is love. I, so we'll start there. Um, there is a process of love that brings us into rapport with anything. And that's why love has such a powerful effect on us physiologically and spiritually. So I'd say the first thing is to recognize, and this is what I I would say Darwin was misunderstood and misrepresented by the guilds of science and religion throughout our lifetimes. Darwin's greatest contribution from his viewpoint was that there's no such thing as um, human entitlement species entitlement that we're entitled to master and dominate and conquer and destroy and whether it's animals or other humans or whatever his actual greatest contribution was saying that there is no separation between the animal and the human we're like different cultures and dr gay bradshaw who wrote elephants on the edge and studied post-traumatic stress disorder in the wild animal community and especially in the elements just to demonstrate that it's Mm -hmm. happening everywhere is the same Um, an animal has sentience it has self-awareness it has family it has community an animal has joy an animal has sadness an animal gets hungry an animal wants to play an animal has family an animal has memory an animal has place an animal has home so an animal has taste an animal has preferences an animal has its own personality Science, science has made an industry, a multi-billion dollar industry of, of pretending animals don't possess all of these same sentient characteristics that humans do. And that's, we have to stop that, whether it's from factory farming or dissecting and torturing animals for science and medicine. Because we do know scientifically at this point, as Dr. Bradshaw has proved in transspecies psychology, that you cannot study human suffering by creating suffering in another species. Great statement, yes. We've seen that all along. So we've been brainwashed as a society into thinking that animals are beneath us, below us, don't deserve sentience or freedom, and that we can destroy their ecosystems, we can appropriate their land, we can imprison them, we can slaughter them, we can sell body parts, we can imprison them. Mm I mean, all these horrible things, whether it's, you know, farming bears for their liver bile or whether it's cutting off their paws to sell or eating dogs in Asia or trapping white lions and keeping them as pets until they're shot for a fee in a cage. I mean, we are we are ill as a humanity through what psychologically would be called dissociation. And dissociation is where we basically separate our feeling nature from our thinking nature. And it's what allows any of us to do things we know are not right or to witness something we know is not right and not do anything about it. I call it the comfort room of denial. Um, And so the dissociation is the same way we go to war. You know, people get so upset when somebody shoots a stranger on the street here in this country for good reason, but don't really make the connection to the fact that we're shooting thousands of people on the street in foreign countries all the time. And so there's this, um, we we have bifurcated from our own self-awareness, our own sentient awareness, and it's the animals who have maintained theirs. At this Mm. point in time, my experience is that the animals are calling us. And the white spirit animals called me to write their book. I was not wise enough to call them to write my book. 
And <laughs> okay. so, the truth, they, all animals. So anybody in the listening audience who says, you know, I love birds and I want to communicate with them, or I have a dog and I'd really like to understand her better, or, you know, whatever it is that you're attracted to, that's where you start. Wherever you already feel you have a natural rapport and a natural sense of association that's the best place to begin expanding your talent of hearing and of listening um, you know telepathy is not really talking it's about listening same thing with talk radio which i've done for 30 some years the really good hosts are really good listeners they're not necessarily the best talkers and so the same thing with telepathy and coming into rapport with nature it's about listening Getting very, very quiet inside of ourselves and taking very seriously that the tree has consciousness, that the tree has awareness, that the tree has memory and history. And that's why if you go to any of the indigenous communities worldwide that revere the white spirit animals, whether it's the Buddhist and Hindus who revere the white elephant, or the British Columbian tribes of the rainforest in British Columbia, or of all the Native Americans who cherish the buffalo and the wolf, etc., animals that I speak about, or the Zulu who come into rapport as part of their shaman training and initiation into manhood with a lion and suppress their fear. Um, these are all initiations into quieting our ego, becoming humble, and making a commitment to service. And so I'd say when somebody says, well, how can I do this? The two components that I think are really critical for any human to come into rapport with any other life form are those two ingredients, humility and the desire to be of service. And interestingly enough, that's also the conditions for prophecy. In the Hebrew prophets, uh, there were three qualities that Maimonides said a prophet had to have. Humility, which is fascinating and makes sense, where you get out of the way and you're really not there anymore. You're just a vessel to let spirit move through. The other was courage, which is very interesting. The courage to say what you see. The courage mm. to acknowledge what you hear. And the third component was imagination, which is a fascinating thing because it means that a person with a rich imagination, what does it mean? It means a person who can hold images, a person who can open their mind up to seeing things that maybe don't rationally make sense. So in telepathy or in prayer work or in dream work, the, the key to coming into rapport and into improving our capacity to hear, listen, and communicate with all life is this capacity to hold the images that were given and then the most important thing is the remote viewers would tell you and the military remote viewers who I had a chance to be schooled by um, is not to judge what you hear or see. Don't try to name what it is. So let's say, let's do an example. So somebody in the audience has a cat and the cat is really making a mess these days for whatever reason, something's upsetting the cat. So what you do is you call your cat by its name three times and you picture this cat kind of sitting in your heart. This is just a way to envision that you're moving into your love space. You want to feel what it feels like to love that animal. And then you say to your cat, if her name is Priscilla, you say, Priscilla, tell me what it is you need. And then just record the very first images you get. But let's say she shows you an image of a blue square. And you go, a blue square? What is a blue square? And then you go, what is she talking about? And then you might think, well, it's the blue cushion on the sofa, but it's not. 
you then think back further and further and you realize there was a blue blanket that used to sit in a box that was her blanket. So the, the important thing is not to try to name what it is, the animal, the tree, the river, the other human you're communicating with, either in your presence or at a distance, is telling you it's more important to just draw the shape, see the color, feel the feeling, and don't try to figure it out. And don't judge it. Don't say, oh, I'm totally nuts. This bird just told me that its father died. You know, and you go, what? Come on, a bird doesn't have a father who dies. Well, don't judge it. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, a these are this is great advice for people who are looking to make these connections. And the other thing that I found is sometimes the answers come later. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's like if you can be patient with it, then you make the connection as you've suggested putting the animal in your heart, asking the question. And even if you don't get an answer right away, don't be discouraged because you may find that you get the answer when you're washing dishes or doing something mindless that allows that answer to come into your consciousness. Absolutely. You know, it was actually while I was washing dishes that I had this vision that compelled me to write this book when these white spirit animals came (laughs) around us. and they No kidding. No, it's really true. I was washing the dishes, and there all of a sudden I was surrounded by these white spirit animals, and I knew that I was like in front of these prophets. They felt like elders to me, and I felt really humbled. And so I immediately said to them, why have you come to me, and what can I do for you? And they told me, we want you to tell our story and to tell it together. And so it's a story about the bear, the white lion, the white bear, the white wolf, the white elephant, and the white buffalo, and what they have taught humanity all along. You know, people forget that animals are our elder teachers. They're our sisters and brothers. They're not stupid. They're not unaware, and it's not as though they don't understand the universe. They do. Um, They live out their purpose exquisitely. They don't whine and moan. You know, I say to people, I understand animals a lot better than humans, and I work better with animals, truthfully. I have to say this honestly about myself than I do humans. (laughs) One of the things about animals is they don't mess it up for you. So an example I'd like to share. So you're leaving the house and your dogs are anxious about you going and they don't lay a guilt trip like maybe a spouse or a child will. Like You're leaving me again and I can't believe you're doing this and you don't care about me. Instead, the dog will say, when are you coming back? Mm. And animals like that. They're very precise. They don't give you more information than they need or that you need. And you can trust that what they tell you is true. They do not lie. They do play. They do pretend, but they do not lie. I have never found an animal that lies, ever. And I've been doing this since I was a very young person. Yes, so that's it. Just it sounds so right on. I mean, this is the way animals are. They maintain their integrity. We've lost ours. Yes, exactly. So true. It's time and that we're calling we, us. They're in line with us. Yeah, they're they're really begging us all. You know, we're in the sixth extinction. We're losing twenty seven thousand species a year now. That's against a prior background rate of 1 to 10 a year. There was a report by the World Wildlife Fund in 2014 called the Living Planet Report. And they, when I read this, it just it stopped me. I just stopped in my tracks. That our Earth's wild vertebrate population, those are our mammals, our birds, our reptiles, our amphibians, and our fish, declined by 52% between oh my 1970 God. and 2010. So we are in what's called the sixth extinction, and they're now 
predicting at the rate of ecosystem collapse, 50% of the Earth species will be extinct in 30 years. So I asked these elder statesmen, the white spirit animals, prophets of change, how can we save more life on Earth? And they emphasize protecting the apex mammals of each ecosystem. So what they mean is the bear is the apex guardian of the woodlands, the lion of the savannas, the wolf of the ranges and of the woods, the elephant of areas where it is so important to the fields and woods in India Mm -hmm. and Asia. And the buffalo are the guardians of our soil. Well, each of these, without the wolf, the entire woods lands falls apart and the whole hierarchy of species collapses. And we saw that Yellowstone National Park was a beautiful demonstration of what happened when the wolves were gone. The ecosystem started to collapse and animals were perishing. And then when they reintroduced the wolf, all kinds of balance was brought back to life, including the beauty of the river and the trees. So these animals are saying, and unfortunately, they are all facing extinction. And they are the very mammals that men in particular like to hunt, Mm -hmm. um, which is tragedy. So when people say, well, what can I do? I said, other than coming into rapport with your local ecosystem, your backyard, your streets, your streams, your sky, your water, your land, your soil, your trees, is to do what you can to help organizations that are really doing their best to preserve the life of these apex guardian mammals. That means, and we're going to we're going to get more into that uh, okay. when we get back from our very short break with Zahara and talking about white spirit animals. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, PK, and our illustrious guest. We are really enjoying this conversation with Zahara Hieronymus. She's the author of a new book called White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. There it is. PK's holding it up. It's a great-looking book, book too, as well as a nice Look at that. Yeah, tons Mm -hmm. of information. And very yeah. helpful, helpful information. Very it shows Thank you. And, you know, I'd like to tell your audience they can go to whitespiritanimals.com online, and we continually add sightings of white spirit animals and other unusual white animals onto the website because it's a phenomena that is happening worldwide. And I think it's important to say that because the animals are coming forward, whether they're domestic or wild, whether they're white or the colors of their normative species. You know, that's the thing about the white spirit animals, in case somebody's saying, well, they're albino, they're not. Mm -hmm. They share a recessive gene the same way a woman with red hair and fair skin does. And the parent may not necessarily have that coloration, but the gene is from equally the male and the female. And the other thing that's really interesting about these particular white-coated animals, like the white giraffe that was spotted or the white moose. But in this case, these, the white spirit animals, are revered by elders worldwide and indigenous tribal peoples who have had stories about them. They're all connected with the last ice age. They're all said to have helped humanity survive the last ice age. They are all said to reappear when Earth is about to cleanse herself and we are in trouble and that they're here to help us again. Um, And the other thing is because they're white, they're very vulnerable and there are very few of them. So we pay more attention to them. But they are regarded by their communities as as statesmen, 
voices, you know, that they're here to bring to humanity the information that we need and the feeling nature that we need to develop in order to work together. And the reason to save each of these capstone species is that with earth changes, we want to make our earth as resilient as we can. And that means preserving the hierarchy of life as it exists, not as we want it to be, as it was created to be. And that's really important. You know, you had asked me, do you mind if I go forward with this thought? You had asked me how we all got so disconnected. And I mentioned, you know, some of it is just sort of cultural apathy. Some of it is personal way you're brought up summative is your own sense of what you're related to and whether or not all life is part of the same life which i believe it is um but some very particular things happen to humanity as a whole that i think has a lot to do with our disconnectedness overall um one of them and this will sound strange if you've never heard about it in in 1675 Um, The British Royal Observatory built what we now call Greenwich Meridian, meaning the meridian marker up until 1675 that was used around the world by which to determine where to put your churches, your stone circles, your sacred sites, your cities, your houses, was based on the three pyramids of Giza. And the three pyramids of Giza represent the belt stars in the Orion star system. That makes the Great Pyramid at Giza a stellar clock of what they call the circumpolar stars. These are stars that don't sink below the horizon, but they're called the undying stars. And what was so interesting was up until that time period of 1675, the whole world used those three stars, the Great Pyramid at Giza, as the orientation. And it points to the center of the galaxy and Alcyon, where our Ancients thought all of our great teachers came from and where the dead reside after life. So that was one thing. We got unhooked from that which up until 1675 would have made, in a consciousness way, a stone circle in Ohio related to a stone circle in, in some place in another country in Ireland. So we lost our connection to the galaxy. That's heavy. That's huge. It's enormous. And it also changed the astrological calculation by an entire house, you know. And so we're talking about an enormous change of 30 degrees, something like one hour and 13 seconds. I don't remember it specifically anymore, but it was a significant change even if you were doing astrological calculations. But so that was the first thing that happened. So this goes back a couple hundred years. We so they hijacked our consciousness with this meridian, changing <laughs> yeah. the time of yeah, everything. Oh, here it is. I found it in my book. 31 degrees, 8 minutes, and 0.8 seconds. So this was like a procession of an empire, but it removed Earth consciousness from the cosmos. And before this historic change took place, every holy site was arrayed in a harmonized fashion, making the galactic center our central orientation as a species on earth we were hooked to the stars we were hooked to other travelers that's the other interesting thing about the white spirit animals and their elder traditions is all of these elder traditions whether it's zulu or cherokee um hindu or buddhist point to off-planet elders from the pleiades from sirius from alcyon from lyra it's just fascinating to me the other thing they all share in common is that most of them are in the star systems like Leo and Taurus, etc. But but back to unhooking humanity from our celestial markers. So that was the big thing because to the Egyptians, you know, the meridian was the most important marker in the sky 
and it symbolized the splitting of heavens between life and death, east and west. So we lost our sense of sacred belonging. The other enormous thing that happened was the removal of us in 1582 earlier by Pope Gregory XIII when the Gregorian solar calendar was introduced. We were taken off the lunar calendar a hundred years before being unhooked from the galaxy. And what does that mean? That means we all as a humanity got divorced from an awareness of our biorhythms. Because we're mostly like rivers. We are really more like rivers than anything else. And so we, like the rivers, are bound up in tidal cycles, which are governed by the moon. And indigenous tribal peoples in some traditions still maintain a lunar calendar. But the whole world once had a lunar awareness. And what that means is if you look at their customs and the drumming and the rituals, which all happened on full moons, there's a reason for it. And I was going to say it's a good time to practice communication is on the full moon. Mm-hmm. From the new moon to the full moon is a time we are expanding and literally our cells are opening up. I think it's the DNA zips and unzips myself between the new and the full moon. So from the new moon to the full moon, it's a good time for us to plant our seeds, to do our work, to expand out into the world. From the full moon, when it declines back to the new moon is a time to retreat within so that's the tide it comes in and it goes out well our month is like that as well but once we were taken off the lunar calendar and went to a solar calendar all of our cultures lost an awareness of our lunar biorhythm relationship to the tides and to the cycle of the month and these are enormous shifts of making it so a human no longer feels part of something bigger than themselves. And what's the point of that? I mean, it sounds like a descent into hell because, (laughs) you know, really, don't you think? Because we're being taken out of this uh, Garden of Eden, you know, where we are connected. Yeah. And, And now we're redirected to this other horrible situation of disconnection, which is the beginning of the end, is what it sounds like to me. But why? What is so important about putting us through this disconnection? Anybody know? That's a wonderful question. You know, I I think that when we look at evolutionary cycles and you look at the the comings and goings of whole civilizations, as the Mayas have mapped out so beautifully— It has to be for the purpose of our own development individually, because when all of society had this sort of close-knit mind-brain connected to everything, it was a leader society. You know, you followed the king, you followed the dictator, you followed the whatever. I really believe that what we're moving towards is the process of individuation, which is what the tribal peoples understood. You know, the animals urge us to restore matriarchy, maternal lineages, because they are all matriarchies. The wolves are the only ones that are equal between male and female in the sense that they have an alpha male and an alpha female, and they co-lead. But the bear, the lion, the elephant, And the wolf, I mean, and the buffalo are all matriarchies, which we Mm. used to be. And what they mean by that is we used to have this ethos of care of the mother and child. That was the center about which the universe of any culture revolved. Well, that's Mm -hmm. not true anymore. Women, children, and animals and the earth are the most abused on earth. Definitely. Yes. Powerless men who are also abused on earth today. But so these white spirit animals are telling us return to your ethos of care of your children and your mothers. Um, Return to taking care of each other and mother earth and know that the skies above you 
um, have a purpose. And so like the bear is a good example as the Big Dipper and Little Dipper, Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, are where all the longitudes on Earth come together. So it tells us that the bear has something to do with Earth's harmony. And that's what she taught indigenous people. She taught them how to find herbs, how to do smudge medicine, how to take care of the baby, how to prepare for the winter, how to store food away, how to prepare. For, and they keep telling us, prepare your housing and your food now. We only have like 72 days of food stored on this planet for our planetary population, which is nutso. Talk about nutso stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at what each of them has to teach us. The lion is the guardian of the heart and is telling us it's our noble-hearted duty to take care of the earth. They have considered guardians of the earth. The bear is considered guardian of the great spirit. The wolf is really the shapeshifter who is there with us at life and death. I think the quick short story is the wolf is Anubis. I shared a fascinating story about that in the book. Yes, it is. And the buffalo are, I'm just so proud of President Obama to have made him the buffalo, our mammal of the nation. Because to me, it's a very positive sign that the buffalo are rising again means that our awareness of their role as the invigorators of spirit and as the custodians of soil is happening again. And again, you know, each of these animals, because they preside over such massive ecosystems, to preserve them is to preserve an entire ecosystem and hierarchy of life. And that's why they're so essential. And the elders around the world who revere these white spirit animals and their appearance understand that these are the messages, that it's time to come together. And like I said, the animals called me to do this work. I didn't call them. And what they're saying (laughs) to us is take care of what's around you. You know, we've been sort of brainwashed in the last 30 years to this global corporatocracy, this oligarchy that's destroying the planet. And what we now understand, and there's a beautiful group of people doing this work at uh, localeconomies.org. No, it's called localfutures.org out of Australia. Helena Norberg Hodge, who used to be in the UK, um, has done beautiful work where they've shown that if you restore your local economy and your local commerce and your local relationships, you can survive anything. And we mm, win. And that's point. Why it's so important to restore our local focuses, all of us. So go to your backyard and talk to your trees that aren't doing well and ask what it needs. Here's an example. A tree said to me, we need birds, but it had no lower limbs. So I put a bead bird feeder under the tree. And the next summer, the trees were much better and the flowers were better. And folks, prayer and love will heal anything. And I don't know that the outcome will be the one you want, but it will be the one that the universe wants. You know, studies in prayer and what's the most effective prayer at a distance by the Spindrift Institute over a long period of time, they were Christian scientists, they proved that thy will be done prayers has the largest amplitude effect than a specific desire prayer. Like, instead of saying, can Aunt Martha's arm be healed entirely after she broke it? You say, may Aunt Martha's um, health be restored to balance. May the greatest outcome be achieved. And what they found was when humans send love and regard and a thy will kind of attitude, change happens in a much better way than when we try to make something happen with a prayer. And in the same way, Greg Braden Braden once shared a story of a chief giving him a 
lesson on how to make it rain. And they oh, went, that's a great story. Yes. Story. So in short story, Greg thought it would be a long, elaborate ritual. And instead, long walk up, long preparation. The chief does a little dance in a circle and goes, that's it. Let's get lunch. And Greg was shocked. He said, well, where's the big elaborate ceremony? He said, well, I did it. I felt the rain, I thanked the rain, I blessed the rain, I smelled the rain, the rain came, and I thanked Creator for the rain. And so the lesson is the same as the Hasidic teachers and Judaism teach. Don't pray from lack, pray with gratitude for bounty. So in the same way, when you want to talk to an animal and you don't feel you're succeeding, thank the animal for talking to you. Thank them for having shared with you what it is they wanted to communicate, even if you don't hear them. You know, even if you don't think you got anything from it, it's the gratitude in relationship that grows the relationship. In the same way, if you want to see a person change, you don't spend time spending all your effort on their bad nature. Instead, you promote, compliment, and make bigger their good nature. And when you do that, a person automatically changes on their own. This is the best way to raise children. It's not that you don't tell them when they've done something wrong, but you also spend a lot of time praising them for what they do that's good because it gives a human then the confidence in their own inner voice. And that's what the indigenous people did to nurture that sort of self-held being. You asked me a long moments ago why this disconnection, and I think this is why, so that we all learn to be self-governed. Yeah, and I think we all need to make that choice that yes. uh, we don't want to be lemmings necessarily, um, but we do want to find our own way and then choose community or choose service. Right. So, th yeah, there's a lot of, of really wonderful points that you're making about all this. It's also a little bit disheartening, to say it, put it mildly, that we've created uh, a world where there's so much suffering yeah. and it's all seems to be motivated by a lot of greed yeah and as you say dissociation a, a lack of connection objectification you know all of these things contribute to that and it's it's very disheartening well, to see that scientific materialism cartesianism which we've lived yes, 500 years which says our consciousness yes. stops when we die and we're only a body and all of us in the listening audience and here together tonight know that that's not true you know we are all one there mm -hmm. is no say i always joke now we're all in it together or we're all in it together <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that, uh, dr puharich dr andrew puharich told me once uh that really kind of blew my mind this was many many years ago and he said, you have to understand that we all have the same DNA. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so we all have the same DNA. It's just that all species have different purposes, aspects of yeah. the DNA that's activated. But it's still okay. the same DNA. And as he went through explaining it to me in his beautiful way, he's much smarter than I am, uh, I was just spellbound. And, and it it always stuck with me, what he said you know, about It's an interesting question, because when I covered global affairs, and there was the horrible things going on in between Rwanda and Burundi's, and I really was distraught. And I asked the Lord, I asked, what is it that separates one human from another? Why could a neighbor go and kill their child next door? And a voice that was crystal clear, unlike a human voice, it was really like, you know, spirit speaking out loud, said to me, the only thing that differentiates one human from another is their blood type. Hmm. 
which of course sent me on a track to ask all the UFO investigators, are they doing an inventory of the blood types of the abductees? Oh. Yes. So they are. And they are, right? The time. Yeah, they? they were not until very recently. Oh, they were not. Okay, because I know there's been a lot of talk about Rh negative and yes, how that. Yes, exactly. uh, Which I am as well. So <laughs> I'm uh-huh. sure talk about a lot of other You're topics. You're from but, here. <laughs> but coming back to the animals and encouraging everybody in the listening audience, literally, folks, we can do this together. And it's really about having faith in your heart. And faith in who you are is a unique human. There is nobody like you. There will never be anybody else like you. And we're each here to have certain experiences and to contribute other experiences for other life. None of us are here for ourselves alone. So just remember, you're a powerful person. Your good words, thoughts, and deeds, as Elephant showed, and I share a story in the book we don't have time to go through, but Elephant made clear that any good deed any of us does is captured by the universe and used in the future to water the soil of manifestation. Mm. Rudolf Steiner said the exact same thing, the great anthroposophical visionary that any good deed we do is seeded in the future from the galaxy to our little toe. And don't ever underestimate or eliminate the value. Don't undervalue the good that you do, even if it's just a good thought. A good thought is powerful. A good prayer is magical. A good deed, you can't do anything greater. Mm, That's so important to remember. Now, here's an interesting question. Since you bring up extraterrestrials, this is from Graham, who wants to know, do extraterrestrials sometimes use animals as a means to communicate with us? Have you ever had any experiences with that? Yes, I definitely think that's so. Aha! Definitely. You know, some have said owls in particular, but I don't think it's just owls. I think deers. I think any any sentient being has the capacity to be utilized by another sentient being through telepathy or actual, I don't know how they do it, but through using the body, you know. But um, I'm not an expert in that. What I know about, though, is that if all mind is one mind from us on Earth to the galaxy and across the universe— of course we're in communication with other beings. We know that. We always have been. You know, they can't interfere with our destiny and our karma and our opportunity to arise as, you know, golden citizens in the golden village once again where we're not. But at the same time, they don't all wish us harm. Some could care less. Some treat us the way we treat lab animals, just another test tube to test things. But the Oh, definitely. Tr- I think you're right. Yes. Yep. I mean, it can take on many shapes and, and sizes here with the uh, extraterrestrials and interdimensionals. So we but don't know. We're so focused on our daily lives and all yep. the drama. You know, if we would just take even a few minutes to quiet the mind and get away from that construct then it would be so much easier to uh, to start to create these changes that you talk about so eloquently in your book. Well, it doesn't take anything big. I like what the Dalai Lama and others have said. There is no spirituality outside your daily life. You know, when maybe when we were younger, we went to workshops, you get all these blissful highs and this experience and that experience. But at some point you learn it's really about becoming self-mastered that the greatest mm-hmm. spiritual development occurs. And so the best we can do is to be good, to be kind, to try to be of service, to try to be helpful. If you see somebody suffering in the grocery store, you know, just say something nice to them. True. Yeah, or if you see an Very animal true. being mistreated, then, you know, you've got to take in. care of it. Take, take care of business yeah. here. 
Yeah. And so all of us have a role to play. And just because maybe right now somebody in the audience says, well, I can't talk to the animals. I promise you, as I teach in the dream in the book, White Spirit Animals, you can dream the answers you need to anything you need in your life, whether it's healing or a partner or good advice for your business or to make contact with a beloved one on the other side. Before you go to sleep at night, picture whoever, whatever in your mind. Bring them into your heart. Feel what it feels like when you are in that love state with them. And then ask them to communicate with you in your dream. And be prepared to wake up in the middle of the night and write down what you get. Because I can promise you, most of us will not remember it when we wake up in the morning. Very good advice, Sahara. Mm -hmm. And you're preaching to the choir with us. Because both PK and I are big on dreaming and paying attention to your dreams. But unfortunately, what we found is so many people want the magic pill and mm-hmm. they're unwilling sometimes you know to 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 do the i don't even want to call it work it's to make a commitment to uh learning about your own unconscious mind (laughs) well you know there's another dream exercise one of my kabbalah teachers taught me years ago from morocco is you write down when you wake up in the morning the last thought you had going to sleep you have to try to remember it try to hold on to as you're drifting off to sleep your very last thought and when you wake up write your very first thought when you wake up and you will be astounded what's really happening when you sleep Incredible. I won't tell you because we're going to talk more, more about this. Yeah, because this is one of our favorite topics, and oh. I, I well, love I all of your suggestions. with animals, and I want to promise you, if you read the book White Spirit Animals: Prophets of Change, with the internet now, when you dream something from an animal or a tree or a river or a continent or a person, you can go right to the internet and Google it and see if what they tell you is true. Like, whoops, it's true. Exactly. We don't have relationships with fox, but we do with coyote, and they were. We're really going to have to pick this up after the break Sahara and again it's one of our favorite topics so we're going to revisit this in just a couple minutes another short commercial break everybody but stay tuned you are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio we will be right back Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, Patricia Kirkman, who you can find at patriciakirkman.com. I know she's been offering a very special offer for readings, for gift certificates. This is your last chance to get those. So be sure to go to patriciakirkman.com and get your gift certificate or sign up for your own personal reading. And be sure to also visit our Facebook page, Supernatural Girls with a Z. Don't forget it. And please give us a like on Facebook. We are speaking tonight with a delightful guest, Sohara Hieronymus. I love that name, too. It just kind of it's rolls beautiful. off. It's beautiful. I was, was going to say it has a melodious Oh, sure, you're going to make me not be the one That's to get it up right, there right That's away. Right. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a great doing so hard because you can't. It's a good heavyweight, too, Zoe. So that everybody can see how beautiful it is. It is. And gorgeous. we're learning learning so much tonight about our disconnection, how it happened, and some tips on how we can reconnect. And one of the ways you're suggesting is through paying attention to dreams. And you've given some great suggestions as to how we can do that. And I wanted to read go back to this conversation but that we had before the break because i think it is very important and and it's free i mean it doesn't cost anybody anything to pay attention to their dreams so do you have any other tips for people who want to do do. this kind of thing i do and i think it's very important to remember that the ancients held dreams as sacred as waking time impression Ah! and Mm -hmm. and that we spend almost half our life asleep 
and and the in the Jewish teachings, it said that a dream is one sixtieth of the afterlife, and sleep is one sixtieth of death. So what we experience when we dream is one sixtieth of what it's like to be on the other side. So by practicing dreaming while we're alive, it makes us much more facile when we cross to the other side and are experiencing what is very much like a dream experience, where once you become conscious in a dream as lucid dreaming, that's a particular kind of dreaming, you can actually use your own conscious will to create like a movie that you're in in your dream. But what I did with this book, you know, I'm a natural telepath where I'm a waking telepath. I communicate with animals just sitting here. You tell me the animal's name, I get an impression, and I share what I hear or see. Um, But I decided in this case, I had never practiced what is a shamanistic technique called dream telepathy. You know, when shamans and medicine men um, are asked to help an individual or a community or an ecosystem, they will often use their dreams to figure out what to do. And they may ask, as I have been taught from my great teachers, the late Terry Edward Ross, who was a dowser and taught how to turn DNA on and off at a distance. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. But he said, you, we all need to do this. We need to ask, may I, can I, and should I before we do anything, whether we're dowsing a well or sending Reiki healing or dreaming somebody else into our dream. And the reason is to make sure that what you intend is appropriate for that individual river or person or animal, that um, you should do it because it's an appropriate time. And may I, it's like asking the universe, may I do this thing now? Will you collaborate with me? So in dream telepathy, the beauty of it, and I did this for a year before I even started writing the book or studying any of the animals. Before I go to sleep at night, I'd think about, I did this with one animal at a time for a couple of months. And I would just dream about Bear first. Bear was the first in my book. And all I did was ask Bear, tell me what I need to know. What can I do to help you? You know, your story is so important as guardian of spirit in the north. And then I would have these dreams. And one of the dreams was about Bear showing me and teaching me how the Indians learned about smudge medicine, how they learned Mm. about pipe medicine. Bear taught them. Bear taught them how to find herbs for healing. So we discovered that the animals were actually the elder teachers of humans. Wolf taught us how to hunt. Wolf taught us how to organize ourselves. So in dream telepathy, and I demonstrated in the book in numerous instances, um, I started to mention one that we do have time. I thought we were ending earlier than you do. Um, Elephant is a good one to share because I mentioned already that any good thing we do in the world, the world recognizes the universe holds its used somewhere else to water the seeds of the future. So I had this dream three nights in a row of these two men whose faces I couldn't place. Finally, on the third night, often I had the same dream three nights in a row because I'm a slow learner. (laughs) I was a little... When I woke up, I went, oh, ah, I know who those are. That's Charlie Rose and Senator John Warner of Virginia. And I'm thinking at first, well, that's because of my broadcast years and my political commentary years and has nothing to do with the animals. And I thought, no, that's a strange dream. But I decided to check it out. So with Google magic, my magic Google ball, I typed (laughs) in Charlie Rose and elephant. And I typed in um, John Warner and elephant. And surprisingly, two stories came up. 
Charlie Rose had done a program to save the elephants from the barbaric ivory trade that's going on and the decimation of all these herds. And John Warner was shown befriending an animal elephant named Jewel when he went to his alma mater of Washington Lee, I think it is, and they were having a mock Republican convention. And he had a very intimate sort of picture with this beautiful elephant, who I think was Barnum and Bailey's, who has was euthanized in 2013 at the Arkansas Zoo, at least in my research. But what that showed me in my dreams is that the elephant was telling us that any kind deed we do, this was the great elephant act of kindness, basically, um, is remembered by their species. Mm. That came in my dreams. Woof, woof. Three nights in a row. Again, I'm very slow. <laughs> it was as if they were a school teacher shaking his paw in front of me going, if you learn nothing else, Zohara, you remember this. <laughs> That's right. And what it was, was they said, well, we have relations with coyote, but we don't with fox. And I love fox, by the way. I see fox. I feed mm. fox. I am like fox. And, um, and so I went to my magic Google ball and I Google fox, coyote, wolf. And what comes up? Yes, it's true. Fox and wolf and coyote share the same DNA complex. Fox does not. That's not hmm. Yes. So, so fascinating. So you're able to get all, all of this great knowledge from your dreams. Then you're able to back it up when you went to the computer to see what else you can fill it in with. Exactly. And this is something everybody can do. Exactly. This is not just thing. your particular uh, talent. Anybody can do this with a little bit of commitment and some persistence, uh, you can also unlock the secrets of the universe through your dreams. Yes, you can. Any question you want to ask, you can say, you know, where's the UFO from that was landed or that was in the crop circle in Glastonbury, whatever it is. And then you ask that in your dream and you may get information that says Zeta Reticula. I don't know what it'll say. And then you mm -hmm. go Google the complex of what your thought was and the answer you got. And you will discover that your unconscious is accessing the Akasha, the universal storehouse of all, because everything is light. Light is packets of information. So we're going to the light library and asking for a particular packet out of the card catalog this is wonderful and it's 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 a great help to our audience anybody who's interested in learning how to communicate with their animals and or white spirit animals to get the larger messages that are being transmitted or right now loved ones. or like the greeks to dream yourself well if somebody in the audience is sick and you don't feel that your medical team is really doing you the justice you need ask yourself what can i do to get well you know, it's, it's a great question wow. to ask. Yeah, well, that's what the Greeks would do. They had healing dreams. And if they couldn't do it, sometimes they'd have dreamers dream for them. And that's what the tribes did with shamans. And so I wanted to see, well, if one person can do it, then all people can do it. Because these are all things that we are wired for. We are designed to do this. Um, and that's why I decided to do a book. I would like to say, as you said, it does take practice. But also, if you want to remember your dreams, try to do it on a time you don't have to get up early because i would mm, like to right. say that there is a price to pay for waking up during the middle of the night each time you get a message in that you don't <laughs> get continuous sleep 
And it's important <laughs> not to set yourself up for failure to say, oh, God, I got to get up at 6 a.m. or I got to take the kids to soccer. Or I got to go pick up my mom or whatever it is. Try to do it at a time, even if it's a cat nap, even if it's not deep sleep, even if it's just relaxation. You can do this in a waking subliminal state of just relaxing on your sofa when nobody's around or some people go into a closet actually because it's very <laughs> quiet and dark and nobody's going to find them there to interrupt them and you just do the same thing you close your eyes you ask your question and just wait and hear what you feel or what you see and don't judge it so if you ask how can my dog you know improve his health and then you ask that question and what you get back is a picture of an orange ball well, I don't know, is it an orange ball or an orange? It doesn't matter. You Over time, you will learn to interpret properly what they're telling you. So like I had a dream of wolf, again, many nights in a row. And it was a uh, African-American man sitting in an empty truck. And the word preservation and conservation and restoration came up in each dream. And I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Three days afterwards, I got it. If you rearrange the words, it spells CPR. Wolf was telling me that the world needs CPR, mm-hmm. conservation, preservation, restoration. Ah, uh, what a message. Yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And yet we can all do this. It's just that, like you said, we've been taken off path. Yeah. You know, we've been taken out of what is a natural connection and placed in an artificial place that is brought nothing but uh, a lot of darkness to our well, world we have been made to believe we need somebody to tell us what to do and mm-hmm. this is completely wrong buddha actually said never follow anyone and that's why it's so important to develop your intuition another way to develop your intuition is when you drive predict the color of the car coming around the corner we're just talking about improving the muscle of intuition and you can do it we've done it with our children since they were little they're in their 30s and 40s now where we try to see the number that will be the receipt at the restaurant without calculating what we ordered Mm -hmm. and it's just been a little contest we do it with the first day of snow the first day it'll melt just ways to improve our intuition if you don't mind i'd like to share one beautiful message i got in a dream yes please please okay. yes it's from buffalo i was standing beside a single buffalo as though standing with an elder friend we were on a mountaintop plateau overlooking overlooking an entire cosmopolitan city where the range used to be the message was simple and clear i was told when standing there with such a broad scale view that quote when any one of us human animal plant or mineral fulfills our purpose on earth we experience the greatest love there is unquote oh my goodness what a message that is and that's what i would like to share with your audience believe me folks you all are the receivers and you're also an emanator we're all biocapacitors we're receiving and sending light we're giving and we're getting we're either selfless or selfish that's kind of the basics and it's always a little of each so if you want yeah. to help yourself your children your family your community the animals the trees the future simply take part and ask how can i be of service and that's and so we go back to where we started humility We have to know that we're doing this as an agent of creator. You know, I can't make a seed, but I can plant one. We also have to have this real desire to be of service. Service is the keynote for the human. And um, Mm -hmm. 
that really is the question. Will I be of service or not? You know, it's not, <laughs> I forget what the Shakespearean was. I think therefore I am. I go, <laughs> I feel therefore I am. I like that better. Gosh. <laughs> and also, I like what you said about not judging. You know, yeah, it's like right. whatever messages you're getting in your dreams or directly from your pets or white spirit animal, don't judge it. Yeah. Just Take it for what it is on its face value. Let it sit. Let it simmer until you get a fuller perspective of what it is. Like, here's a, an interesting question. This is from False Flag, who's asking, "What is it about bats that people have made them out to be energy drainers or evil or something like that?" I mean, that's a, a great, a great that animal. That is a wonderful question, and I have never studied bats, but what I hear is people were afraid of them because they have the supersonic hearing. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, they have the ability, you know, I share a story in my book about how I tuned into an animal channel when I first started this work, and I heard screaming and crying, and it was all these animals suffering, and I said to my husband, I can't do this work if that's what it's going to be like. Well, mm. it went on for two weeks, but then it stopped. Oh, my God. For two weeks when I would go to sleep, sometimes during the day, but all of a sudden it stopped. And the day it stopped was the day there was that horrendous tsunami and the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Mm -hmm. So the animals were warning us. So I didn't know that that's what the channel was. I didn't know I'd turned tuned into an animal warning channel. So what I'm, the reason I'm sharing this <laughs> wow. is that we may not know what the message means, and it doesn't matter. What matters is to make the effort because over time, like you practice anything. A good chef isn't made overnight because they read a good cookbook. They're a good chef because they practice thousands of hours. It's the same mm -hmm. thing with anything. So this intuitive right. that any of us want to do, practice it lightly. Be gentle with yourself. Don't judge yourself. Don't say, oh, I can't do it. Don't quit. Just add a little of it each day to your life in some little way. You can't find your keys. Don't go madly rushing around. Sit down and picture where are they. Somebody mm -hmm. calls you on the phone and says, my husband's late. I'm really worried. Was he in an accident? Sit down. Hear what you say. And, you know, if somebody's not asking you to perform open heart surgery or brain surgery on them, it doesn't really matter if you're right or wrong. <laughs> it just I won't be performing any brain surgery, PK. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. I was a little worried. I was waiting for the invitation. Come on, drop by. Well, people get so worried that they might not be right. And what I said to them, it's your love that's doing the work. It's the love, ladies and gentlemen. It's the love connection. Yeah, it is. It's a very powerful emotion. Now, here's the more personal question, and this is from Anonymous G, who's asking, is there a time limit after your pet's death before you can't see them anymore? Well, I think there are periods when anything goes immortal um, where they are do busy doing collection work of their own, like my little dog that recently died. The first three days, we couldn't separate energetically, and it was only by the fourth and fifth day that he was separate. No, I don't think there is. I think there are opportune times to make contact with anybody or anything that has passed away. The anniversary of their death is always the easiest time to make right. contact any year, oh, 20 years okay. from now. Because the soul revisits basically that anniversary. And if they have a grave in the Jewish tradition, the neshama, the part of the soul that's immortal, returns to the grave to be with the grievers. And that's why you don't unveil a Jewish headstone for a year, because it takes a year for all of these processes to take place for the soul to be completely free of all its attachments. 
What amazing. If, communicate what if, with an animal anytime. It's, if they're busy, just tell them to call you back. You know, in telepathy, <laughs> I used to joke that this bonobo would call me on my telepathic line, and sometimes I'd tell her I have to call her back. Mm-hmm. So sometimes things might want to communicate with you and you're busy doing something else and you really can't focus. Just politely mm-hmm. say to the tree or to the person or to the river or the bird, can I can I catch it a little later? You know, the same way you would a human. Mm-hmm. It's all good. What if, yeah, what if a, good a uh, person was, as you said, the Jewish religion returned to the, to the grave site. What yeah. if a person's been cremated and the ashes have been put out to the universe? That's a great question and I don't know the answer. I knew, oh. I do know that the soul is immortal and it probably doesn't matter in the mm-hmm. sense of the soul will still be the soul and is unharmed. There's some rather esoteric teachings that we could talk about on another time in Hasidic Judaism about the stages of the soul's separation from the physical body. The first part is the nefesh, that's like in our blood and that goes first. And then there's the ruach, that's the spirit, and that goes over time of dissipation with the moon cycles and then the shama ascends immediately but the highest part the akhita the part of the soul that it connects us all to one takes a year to assimilate the lessons of the lifetime and i would say to the rabbis but isn't doesn't that call suffering and they go yeah well that's part of it and i go well then i think i want to be cremated and they go well no because that process is your schooling process of assimilating everything you've learned in that lifetime um and that it actually allows you to be, believe it or not, in Judaism, there is a belief in resurrection. Um, Strange, that's another esoteric teachings in Hasidic teachings, that there's a certain bone at the base of the skull that has to be intact for resurrection. So, you know, whether these things are true or not is not the issue for me. I'm just always interested in learning these ancient teachings that get passed down orally for centuries in all people's traditions. I mean, it is incredible, that, and the, some of the relationships that you find among these vastly uh, different mm-hmm. uh, religions and things. Here's a question from Para Abnormal, who's asking, talking about history, what can we learn from pictograph cave art? Oh, one of my favorite things. I think, again, the power of image. You know, what they are showing us is that what they saw around them was what they have relationship with. When you see the beauty of their drawings of animals in motion, Um, They're basically showing us that they and the animals were one. And it also gives us a clue as to why the Egyptians used images to teach, because images are universal and it doesn't require a language because we all see the same thing. So wow. it's so that's it's yeah, basically yeah, it's teaching. another important piece of our history that mm-hmm. we have been taught to ignore. So, <laughs> yeah. isn't that the truth? Well, I think that's why storyboarding oh, has got so frustrating. You know how people do vision boards now? It's a very yes. good exercise, and people want to communicate with nature or others. You can do vision boards of learning to do it. The more you pay attention to something, and the more you put your intention to it, the more you will be able to do whatever it is. It's not what we do, whether we're a street sleeper or a surgeon. It's how we do what we do. So if we do it with careful regard, if we do it with right intention, and then we pay attention, like, you know, our intention is like we're setting the focus, we're turning on the lighthouse, and then our attention allows us to see what the lighthouse has put its light on. And that's really how all this work works, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through dreaming, whether it's through waking telepathy, whether it's through psychic awareness. It's all the same thing. It's we're paying attention. First, we're setting our intention to be of service, 
to learn something, to help something, and then our attention at what comes into focus. And that's all it is. It's a process. And the more we practice, the better we get at being able to be of service in this way. Sometimes save a life. My children call me all the time for problems that they have or should they trust this person or what do I see or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And you can get very good at it. Just don't take it too seriously. That's my first recommendation. Secondly, know that it's a process of love and that we are all love beings and that's what we're all here to learn. It doesn't matter who we are, what we believe or what we do. We are all here to learn the same thing, which is how to love properly. And that's what the animals teach us. They are all love. They are. Love they the absolutely they are. love humanity. Mm-hmm. They love this world. They want us to experience the greatest love there is, as the buffalo said. When each of us does what we're here to do, and each of us is here for a different reason from one another, and that's why it's so important how we talk to each other, how we treat each other, how we think about each other. And, you know, I'm no saint. I cuss. I do terrible things sometimes. Well, you huzzy. (laughs) I pick myself up off the floor and I go, oh, well, so I'll do better next time. You sound normal just like me. I like that. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, that's right. But it's a desire to want to be of service, and that's the bottom line. So the white spirit animals say, save as many of us as you can. Do what we can to protect the apex mammals, including the whales and dolphins, the bear, the lion, the elephant, the wolf, the buffalo, the whales, and the dolphins. And it will make the earth more resilient, and they will work with us for earth changes and make sure that we continue in the right way, because we will continue. I'm a very optimistic person. It just may not be what we want, but it will be what we need. Well, this sounds incredibly great. Yes. And yes, Sahara, we can't thank you enough for joining us on our show tonight. And again, the name of the book is White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. So if you would like to learn more about these white spirit animals, PK's book. holding the book up now. Um, it is this excellent. is the book for you. Spirit it is a terrific book. Yes. So thank make you. sure everybody check it out. Thank now, you. next week. I, I just want to let everybody know we have a very special guest coming out to visit us. He is a dear friend of both of ours. His name is George Lugo. He is a psychic medium unlike no other. He can do things that we have never seen anybody else do. And we love to give him a hard time anyways. So <laughs> I intend to. I, I know you years, do. I've noticed, I'm not about to change now. <laughs> That's right. But we love George, and we're going to share him with you next week. George is a psychic medium who also works with Scotland Yard and other police departments across the world. Um, very talented man. We love him dearly, and we are bringing him to you next week. So in the meantime, everybody, we really hope you stay safe, stay warm. And enjoy this book. Uh, we certainly have. Uh, and as Ohara, we've enjoyed every moment on the show with you tonight. We hope you come back. Yes. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Till next week. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.